1: Welcome to episode 175 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, a show about how Latino pop culture is reshaping mainstream entertainment. On this week's episode, I welcome one of Mexico's brightest talents, singer-actress Jimena Sarinana. Jimena and I discussed her most recent album, Amor Adolescente, and how her hit ballad, Una Vez Más, came to be. We also discuss the significance of her sophomore English language album in her artistic growth, the pressures for Latin artists to succumb to the reggaeton momentum, why it's hard for Latina artists to find global acceptance, and we discuss her dreams of one day composing on the New York Broadway stage. But before I talk to Jimena Sariñana, it's time I give you my weekly recap of the top Latino pop culture headlines in a segment I like to call Jacked In i am just Let's begin with the top movie, TV, music news of the week. Bad Bunny wins the MTV VMAs Artist of the Year award. Ariana Debose to star in House of Spoils from Prime Video and Bloomhouse. Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities gets a premiere on Netflix on October 25th. A Carmelo Anthony docu-series is in the works called It's Time for My Truth. Another saw horror movie will hit theaters on October 27th, 2023. US Men's Soccer Team World Cup docu-series is also in the works. Lynn manuel Miranda is developing a new Broadway musical loosely based on Martin Scorsese's New York, New York, and Rosa Salazar, Bobby Soto, Julio Cesar Cedillo, and Veronica Falcón board Michael Peña's new space drama, A Million Miles Away. And in tech and social media news, National Cinema Day to bring $3 movie tickets on September 3rd. Netflix is celebrating their 25th anniversary. Paramount Plus to be bundled with Walmart Plus subscriptions. Google's making it easier to add emoji in Docs. Spotify is launching individual buttons for shuffle and play. Meta lets users display NFTs on Facebook and Instagram. Twitter launches Twitter Circle, allowing users to tweet to a select crowd. And Instagram is testing more ways to flag post your not interested in. This has been an interview three years in the making. If you aren't familiar with Ximena Sariñana, she's one of Mexico's most talented musicians. I discovered her in 2019 on Spotify as I was making a playlist for this very podcast and was captivated by her unique voice and musical vibe. More than anything, that vibe, man. I really hadn't heard anyone like her before. From then on, she was on repeat jimena has been very busy as of late as she's still touring for her album Amor Adolescente while still acting in film and television. I catch the multi-hyphenate performer, wife and mother of two, at her home in LA while taking a brief break from touring. So I know you are, you're a singer, songwriter, actress. Uh, You've released five studio albums, received dozens of awards and nominations, including the Grammys, Latin Grammys, MTV Awards, acted in dozens of films and television shows when did you first become aware that you were good enough to be a singer to be able to make and earn a living off of it and not embarrass yourself
2: well um that's a good question but probably i mean i started studying music um i mean i was always you know the the when i was in school and stuff i was always the girl that they picked to sing you know the lead uh, voice in the Christmas carols uh, pri- uh, concert in elementary school, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but I guess it was when I, when I was started, you know, as a teenager, started to sing in my friends' um, bands and you know, like punk rock bands and that kind of thing. Right. I was like, hey, I think you know.
0: People I sound good.
2: That I, <laughs> that I sing pretty much in tune. Um, I think I, um, because that's kind of like also my personality. I was like, I think I need to study this a little more. Mm. Um, so I went into music school at around like 15. Um, and then I, I was in a in You a went to Berkeley, game. right? I you did. did. I, I went for for a five-week program around that time when I was like 15. And I ended up being able to, you know, um, to get a spot in like the most coveted ensembles, that kind of thing. And, and, you know, perform and kind of have other musicians aside from like my childhood friends say like, you know, hey, this girl's pretty good. Um, And then I started writing my own songs and I was in a movie named Amarte Duele which was really big in in mexico and i ended up writing like three songs three or four songs for that soundtrack and i think that's when people really started to um notice me and actually look look at my at the possibility of me having a music career i think that was when i was like okay um maybe i have a shot at this (laughs) and i started taking uh, my singing um a lot more seriously and started to really think about what i wanted my first album to sound like and what kind of artist i wanted to be
1: i don't want to take any focus away from amor adolescente because it's a great album i just wanted to ask you about donde bailarán las niñas When you created that album, did you have any understanding of how good that album was sounding to you? That this could be one of your better albums? Uh, Was there that feeling? Or was this all like, I'm just going to put it out there and whatever happens, happens?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's always you're never going to put out something that you're not completely um, able to stand by, you know, to stand Mm -hmm. for and by and like to defend because, you know, in the end it's your music and you're going to have to anything you put out you're going to have to um defend over and over and perform over and over so it better be something that you are absolutely in love with mm-hmm. so that's definitely where i take all my albums before i'm going to put them out um once once i've i've taken them there and i'm like okay i, I think this is the the best album i it's it's like to a level where I'm comfortable with and that, you know, I'm going to be able to talk about and I'm going to be able to perform it over and over. Um, then I put it out and then what happens afterwards, like how people perceive the album, Mm -hmm. that's what I kind of, I don't pay attention to that. You
1: chuck it up to luck.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a luck thing or it's just, it, it just, you have to be comfortable with, um, the possibility of what, you want to say with the album that that doesn't translate necessarily the way that you want it to so you have to be okay with that you have to kind of like Mm -hmm. let it go um and have it be what what it is and you're always gonna have kind of like your the satisfaction of knowing that it's good music knowing that you um you know that you're proud of it that you learned from it that you worked on it you know tire tirelessly and endlessly and that the thing that you had in your head and the concept that you wanted to um convey convey yeah or to portray like that's something that you achieved and you know the rest doesn't is not up to you
1: So we now jump, f- uh, fast forward to Amor Adolescente. Mm-hmm. It's your fifth studio album. Are you going and you're like, wow, I can't believe I got five albums already in the can. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. What was the inspiration for this album and how does it differ from the previous one, from Donde Bailarán Las Ninas?
2: Well, I really like, this is like a completely pandemic album, um, <laughs> at least the, the process of actually putting it into the studio is definitely um pandemic i mean we did it like in the it was june 2020 so um it was just very few people in the studio but it was also nice because there was kind of like this apocalyptical sense of the world so we weren't really paying attention to anything but our intuition (laughs) and um it was kind of psychedelic in a way um i don't know like when, when i think about it like and i think about the songs and how um each of each each and every one of the songs kind of like tells its own story and i wasn't even thinking about You know piecing them together i wasn't thinking about um like the genres that i was experimenting with it was just like hey you know what let's have fun Mm. like this is like we're so blessed that we're able to be here in a studio you know for amazing musicians who are also like my best friends um and that i can be here in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the forest um when the whole world is like you know completely going crazy <laughs> it's like we're just like so privileged that we're able to be doing this and you know and we were just enjoying every single moment of the process and you know being really grateful every single day that we were able to just be in the studio together making music so um so in that way we weren't thinking about anything else um we weren't thinking about i wasn't thinking about it being a follow-up i wasn't thinking Mm. about you know um all i was thinking about was okay this is a concept uh it's a celebration of love in every single one of its stories and every single one of its forms um it's a tribute to the music that i listened to when i was you know an an adolescent when i was a teenager um you know albums like Miseducation of Lauren Hill um with all those like interludes that you know that that Lauren Hill did in that album um and it was really that it was just you know having fun with it and and just enjoying um with all the tools that you have um as a person and as a musician I-
1: Tell me the story of Una vez más.
2: Well, Una vez más is this, it's a really special song because I wrote this in um, um, I guess it was a song camp that they organized uh, for women, for women uh, composers, women singer-songwriters, or women writers, um, and um, and it was me and, uh, three more, um, women in the studio, uh, writing this song. And since the beginning, I told them what I wanted to write about. I was like, okay, I want, I want this song to be for me, for my project. And I want to talk about, you know, you hear all these songs, um, about, you know, new love or about heartbreak or kind of like in that, um, time and space of, A relationship but you hear very little songs about you know uh picking the right person over and over after you know many years together Mm. like a positive love love song of an old love you know a love that's been through a lot of ups and downs or a lot of things and renewal of love exactly and still like waking up next to that person every single day for the last 20 or 30 years and being like I choose you once again <laughs> like you know una vez más. there was a lot of great songs that were written that day um, or the that period of two days um but when when people would listen when when the other girls in the other rooms listened to this song like we, we heard, all the songs that were written in those two days and when people heard this song everybody would immediately cry and it was so funny because i i wasn't able to to stay to that you know at that that day where everybody listened to everybody else's songs and the next morning i had like five different messages from friends of mine that had gone and listened to the songs that were written and being like Oh my god, you have no idea like we heard that song and I immediately started crying. And like wow. all these different artists from different backgrounds and different genres being like this song is so moving, like it's just so beautiful. And I think immediately when you when you can achieve that with like a terrible demo with a terrible um guitar playing and you know and and when the song is still so new that you're not not able to really perform it. Um well, when you achieve that at that point, then you know you have something really special. Yeah. And you just have to make sure that you don't, um, you know, mess it up. <laughs>
1: you talked about the experimenting of the genres, of the musical genres. One genre that I have not heard you experiment with is reggaeton. So, I, I, right, right. Well, this is exactly la misma cara que me hizo Juanes cuando le hice la la misma pregunta.
2: Well, I think Juanes is a really good example because Juanes was a huge influence for Donde Bailarán las Niñas mm. uh, because. Juane, I think both me and Juane's worked with kind of like the same people for those for those albums and they were all people that have, you know, that were from the reggaeton world um, and I think it's it's funny that you mentioned that because for me, Donde Bailaran Las Niñas, that whole album was me experimenting with reggaeton and with, the, with dembow. But of course it's never gonna sound No, like I didn't take that up. for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's gonna hear it and be like Sivena's so
1: reggaeton
2: album. Reggaeton. <laughs> yeah. So this is your version of reggaeton. And um and I think that's just that just talks about the kind of artists that we are. Um both Juanes and me, you know that in the end, um you cannot take away your stamp um from the genre that you're experimenting with you No, know, even with cumbia i mean we did um mr carisma for amor adolescente which is like full-on our take on colombian cumbia and uh but still it's like it's my interpretation and there's still like strange harmonic changes and there's you know like a um just the vibe of my voice like it's still going to sound like me or um el amor más grande which is like a full-on in my opinion like a full-on mariachi ranchera mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. um song and that's why i was like let's work with flor de Toloache. and you know and the way that i'm performing the song is very like i imagine alejandro fernandez would sing <laughs> and you, nice. know, would, you know he was singing my song um But it's always going to be through my lens, um, Mm. because I cannot um, I think that's what true artists do with music. You know, you just it's always through your perception and you're never going to be like 100 percent chameleon. You're always going to it's always going to go through um, your voice and your take. And I think that's what in the end makes it an original song.
1: I've had a couple of friends head over to uh, Ciudad Mexico the for, you know, just to hang out and whatever. And when we just talk on the phone, it's like, hey man, so how, wh- how's it going out there? What's the nightlife like? He's like, bro, it's, it's only reggaeton down here. You can't walk in anywhere without it be, it's like you're in Puerto Rico. Like I have no idea what happened. Mexicans, Mexican youth is now Puerto Rican youth over here. It's shocking, I can't believe this is happening. And so as you start listening to the society, the youth society, maybe you're even listeners that are so hooked on reggaeton, has there ever been any pressure from the record label, from yourself to evolve, to be able to make money? Because at the end of the day, Simena, it's like, Music is still a business, especially where you are. It's about management and branding and how many streams can you get and how many tours can you sell out?
2: I've been in the industry, and I've been an signed artist for more than fifteen years. So, um I'm kind of used to the pressure um in different um at different times. And it's been different every single time you know so at first it was you know pressure to maybe be a little bit more pop sounding right then the pressure was maybe to um do more feats with anglo artists then the, and and then the pressure was you know you can't release um that much music or like collaborate with that many different artists and then that changed to you have to do feats with pretty much everyone that you know um <laughs> and then so you know, you kind of have to be a little bit, um, to, you know, not take it too personal or too serious um, because everything is, is just changing so quickly. And it's and and it's going to change. I mean, I don't think uh, I think I love reggaeton. Don't get me wrong. You know, I think um, I love Bad Bunny and my husband and I were always talking about um, my husband is like, if if you know, is like completely if Bad Bunny.
1: Calls you and says, "Let's do an a reggaeton song together." You'd probably cave in, right?
2: <laughs> no, of course. I mean, bec- because I admire Bad Bunny as an artist. Right. I think Bad Bunny is, you know, he's he's great at what he does, um, and uh, and I think um, us musicians and us artists, like we're not that, we're not very. Um, divisive in terms of genre you know if if you're a true musician and a true artist you can appreciate all kinds of musical genres and you know in every musical genre there's people that do it amazingly and people that do it terribly you know reggaeton in the end you know it's it's not going to be the number one genre forever um you know i don't i don't think so at least and and i think you just have to be true to what just rings true to you and um and I've done and I mean I've, I I love experimenting but you know I'm not going to change um the kind of artist that I am because you know right now um this is the 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 trend you know what I mean
1: 2011 you put out a self-titled album fully in english out of the 12 tracks 11 of them were english were you trying to prove a point because it was your follow up and you flip the switch and you go i'm not going to give you spanish anymore you know what that album that you like so much that the one that you love so much hold it how's about in english toma and and i'm going wait what is she doing (laughs) what was the mindset when you flipped into an english language album and were you happy with the results
2: i'm very happy with how that album turned out because it allowed me to think of myself as an artist as a global artist um and that's mm. very difficult for a latina artists to to kind of like break that glass ceiling you know why well because you as a as a me as a mexican you know teenager growing up like um being an an, a global artist was kind of unreachable i mean the only latin artists that you had doing music globally was shakira and ricky martin and pretty much that was it (laughs) and i was like well my music is nothing like shakira's and my music is nothing like ricky martin like that's not the kind of music that i do or the kind of artist that i want to be you know like i'm not a uh, full on, um, uh, pop, um, you know, pop artist. Like that's, that's not the kind of music that I'm doing. So for me to be able suddenly to be considered in the same wavelength, at least for the record label, um, uh, speaking in record label terms as mm-hmm. the artists that I grew up listening to like Regina Spector or Fiona Apple for yeah. me was like, I cannot, like, this is like somebody pinched me you know what I mean like like this is not really happening like I I I can't like it can't be that I'm in the actual actually the same record label as Regina Spector um and and I'm gonna go through the same processes that she goes through and I'm gonna have the same A&R like for me that was just like a dream and I'm gonna yeah dream and I'm gonna be working with the producers that you know everybody is working with Um, And for me, that was an experience that I was not going to um, pass on. You know what Mm. I mean? Especially at 24. When I was, yeah, I was like 23, 24. I'm still learning. I'm still a kid, pretty much. Um, And I was not going to pass on the opportunity to be able to work with those producers. And in that that, um, world, in the Anglo world, with those um artists and those producers and those writers and those budgets and just everything it was just my my um i saw the door open and i was like i'm gonna go through it and i don't (laughs) don't care about like what the consequences are gonna be and i don't care what people are gonna think and i don't care what my managers are gonna say i was just like i'm gonna go for it and i'm so glad that i did um because now i think about it and like I would have never been able to work with somebody like Greg Kristen nowadays. You know what I mean? (laughs) And like Mm -hmm. Greg produced most of that album. And now he's working with Adele and like Paul McCartney and like biggest artists there are. And I know, and Greg, at some point when when we were working together, he was like, you're one of the best artists that I've worked with so far. And I was like, that means a lot. And that's something that I, you know, don't take lightly that at some point he said that to me. So yeah, I'm really proud of my story.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it was a very pivotal moment in your career. It gave you the confidence to say I can do this. I'm an artist just like they are. I'm I'm an equal.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I learned so much because I think that um the US market in general, I mean, there's just so many talented people just because it's like the epicenter of of music like once you know, people make it in the U.S. They're pretty much able to travel all over the world with their music. Um, so there's people from all over the world trying to make it. The the, the bar is like super, super high. People are so ridiculously talented in right. and multi-instrumentalists uh, and multifacetical. And, you know, they're able to do so many things. And it's just so impressive and you're really like okay you know what i really need to get my stuff together <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 know you prepare a lot um and you're also once you have a lot of resources like you, you have to scale down a lot you know when you're when you're when you're touring in the us especially as an opener no you're like okay great i have 100 a day to make this work Um, so I have to go as little as possible. I have to be able to do as much as I can on my own. Uh, so when you have the amount of resources, like you, you value when you once you get, you know, more resources, you're like, okay, like what I can do with this whole amount of, uh, people or money or whatever, like, you know, you, you appreciate it way more. And I think it made me, um, definitely made me grow up so much as an artist and made me appreciate um, every single person in my team. And it made me um, just, just be a lot more um, dedicated to where I wanted to go and just better musician overall. I asked this question
1: to Natalia Laforcade, a good friend of yours. Uh, I know you've performed together, uh, etc. What do you prefer? as an artist a Grammy or a Latin Grammy
2: honestly neither (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be just because I really I mean it's it feels amazing to win an award it really does like I haven't won that much in my life Um, but um, when I did win my first award as a musician or as an actress it felt amazing you know it's like because it's basically your peers being like you did a great job <laughs> mm-hmm, and it feels mm-hmm. really good to hear that but historically when you think that i don't know um britney spears probably has won a grammy and then led zeppelin never won a grammy you're right. like i don't know something's that.
1: wrong no. yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it's wrong or right it just you know um and and it and it happens to me all the time like the the artists or the albums that i'm most a fan of don't necessarily get awards don't necessarily get you know millions of streams um they're never in like you know the top 50 best albums of the year uh lists and and you see it's like so it doesn't really mean anything um in the end i think you really just have to make the music that you love to make um be grateful that you're able to get money (laughs) to make the music that you make and to you know live um comfortably and be happy um and you know if you get awards um uh or you know public recognition or you know millions of streams um Oh, great. You know, that's great too. <laughs> but it's not the reason why you make music and it's not the reason why um, or, you know, what really makes you happy. And I really think that that's something that I've um, I've built uh, and I've worked on a lot, you know, to really just be happy with the process of making music because everything else is just so out of your control. Right. Uh, you know, Sometimes the albums that you think are gonna work the best, they just don't get streams or don't don't get nominated. Um, uh, and then sometimes you are surprised. You know, sometimes you you get nominated for things that you're like, oh wow, really? They were paying attention. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, just kind of what happened with una vez más. You know, we just like released that song, and then suddenly we were nominated for a best pop song in the Latin Grammys, and I was like, wow, <laughs> this makes no sense like we we had no idea that we were even being considered for that so um it's really nice to to just you know do your thing and be proud of what you do
1: now i know that you're also an actress you've been acting since you were a a child are you as invested in acting as you are with your music
2: well um maybe if you would have asked me this three years ago i would have said definitely no but three years ago, I started kind of like being, you know what, I really do like acting. And I want to start, you know, getting better at it and seek for more opportun- opportunities. And this year, I've done a couple of acting things that I was like, wow, I'm really proud of the work that I'm doing. And I'm really proud of myself that I, you know, that I even got a job as an actress because I don't consider myself an actress anymore. You're kidding me. It. So just because I haven't um, been, I didn't study it. I haven't, you know, been doing it for, um, for a while. Uh, but this year I'm, I did a film and I'm doing a, TV series. I heard
1: you did Casa de Flores. That's on Netflix. I did. I did Casa And America. HBO Max's Amsterdam. I heard you had a special cameo there as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I basically played myself in in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. But now, um, um, yeah, I'm doing. You know, I did a film. I'm doing a TV series. Um, and they were both like really big challenges as an actress, and I was, and I really like fought for the role. Um, so I'm just. Like super proud of myself that I got the, you know that I got the the jobs and that I'm you know, yeah, and that I'm acting.
1: <laughs> I know. I mean, you are super busy um, to the point that uh, I'm going to leave you with this final question. I know you've been you also compose music and you've composed music for television shows, etc. Has there ever been any plans? for you to extend your musical composition skills into Broadway?
2: Oh my God, I would love to. I mean, we talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time because- I mean, come on, Ximena. I mean, it just
1: seems like the logical evolution of your career to put up a musical. I can hear your music on the stage on Broadway for a love story you know of a mexican woman and a, and, a, and, a yeah. and an american man in the 1950s i mean who knows right but i think you has that something that has ever spurred your thoughts and do you want to actually fulfill that, that 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 idea
2: i mean i totally would love to um and and i i really like that about um modern day artists is that, you know, you're, you're pushed to be, um, multi talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's really cool. I mean, it's, it's really cool that, that I'm able to jump from, uh, one media to another. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, and now I think that, that has made us as artists to always create, um, To be more creative in that sense, and to think about our music um, in visual form, and uh, and also you know that maybe there's like a story to it, and then and and I love and I'm really looking looking into making every project that I do now um, to have like a life in different platforms and in different um, yeah I mean that it, it cannot it it doesn't need to only be a song you know it can be a song and a video and maybe a story and maybe a you know um a live act thing um and to think in those terms like more like a 360 um, view is super interesting and super inspiring
1: Simena, thank you so much for this interview. Uh, The name of the album is called "Amor Adolescente." It's out now on all musical platforms. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, and thank you so much for the interview. This was fantastic for me.
2: Thank you. It was fantastic for me too. Thank you so much.
1: Just before I wrap up here, here are three Latin tracks you might want to add to your playlist this Labor Day weekend. Cinco estrellas, Reik y Sech. Sci-fi, Tiny y Raúl Alejandro. Dale, Gloops remix, Leton P featuring Gloops. That's it for episode 175 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Ximena Sarayana for joining me on the show. And if you like this episode, please share with your friends and have them subscribe and leave a review. Your help is valuable in helping us reach more listeners. If you would like to get in touch with me, reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant.